0: Podcasting worldwide from Vancouver, Canada. Canada. Welcome back to the Personal Process Podcast. The show that takes you through the growth, hardship, self-discovery, lessons, and stories of individuals who achieved success in their own personal path. Trust the process. So... You know, let's let's uh, talk about the positive experience that you've had with the Bitcoin space.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, just um, like that stuff that I mentioned earlier. Man, being able to pay for like memberships and being able to pay like I've, uh, I want to I want to mention just because I know that there and and we've both said it, so it's, I'm not trying to point fingers or anything. But I know that there is this perception of like, oh, Bitcoin is like like drug money, right? People used to buy drugs on the internet. I want to be clear that in seven years of being involved in this space, I have never once bought drugs with Bitcoin. I've bought a lot of stuff with Bitcoin. I've never spent it on anything illegal. I've bought stuff mm. off of uh, Newegg.com uh, takes, you know, Bitcoin. I've bought, like, Domino's Pizza using the Lightning Network uh, with Bitcoin. I've bought, like, Starbucks gift cards with it that I then you know, treat my wife to, like, a latte or something, you know. So, like, there are, there are a lot of things that you can use Bitcoin for that aren't illegal. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't think people re- you know realize that like there's not because that because the perception right now is like oh drug dealer money to me that just implies like how early we are that people just people don't people don't get it and that's okay yeah. because it's new it's untrusted like I mentioned earlier because it involves money people are usually like immediately skeptical because, Why wouldn't you be? There are so many scammers out there, man. And not even just in Bitcoin, but just in general. Like, I mean, think about all the, I I get them all the time. These, uh, and and not that they're scammers necessarily. I'm going to piss people off by saying this, I guess, but like those, uh, you know, you like, you haven't heard from like your Facebook friends with somebody from high school that you haven't heard from for like 20 years. And then they send you a message and it's a sales pitch about their MLM, Zoom, you know, like, Oh, check out my diet shakes or my stupid clothes or it's like, you know, I, I love that, like I don't do that Zoom, right? Maybe there are some Bitcoiners that do, but like I'm yeah. not out there like cold messaging people about like, oh, check out Bitcoin. It's so Zoom. cool, man. Like I have people reaching out to me though, especially lately, but really over the last years, I've had a lot of people reaching out asking me questions about Bitcoin, right? Like, what is it? What like, what's it all about? Should I get into altcoins? The answer is no. Uh, you know, really? Like, just, just, oh, absolutely. Like um, no Ethereum so, or
0: nothing like that.
1: Ah, uh, you know, I mean okay. I, I should say, like
0: maybe the I don't have crystal, unknown I don't have crystal all
1: right? So I have, I have no idea. I mean, it's entirely yeah, possible fair. that Ethereum overtakes Bitcoin and I'll end up eating some crow in this. Personally, I don't see it happening. And here's why. First of all, if you look at the, there are a number of metrics that I look at that to me indicate like health of an overall project or network when we're talking sure. about the cryptocurrency space. And every single one of those metrics, bitcoin is is, far and away the, the best. I mean, to me, the most important thing is the decentralization, right? Like we talked about it earlier. Yep. I think that, and, and I don't think that we've even seen governments really try and step up. I do think that that we may see, you know, stronger pushback from governments as as this industry or overall ecosystem grows in value, right? Like the total cryptocurrency market right now, I'm going to look it up because i don't want to quote it right. I'm going to say it's like 500 billion is my guess oh. is... Uh let's see. Five the total crypto market cap. This is all cryptocurrencies that are tracked. I'm I'm getting yep. this data from uh coinmarketcap.com is 568 billion dollars. Now wow. of that, of that 355 is bitcoin, right? So more than wow. half of the overall value. And you got to realize that's we're talking about thousands of cryptocurrencies that exist. Yep. So That's huge. You basically got bitcoin number 1 takes up over half of the total market cap of the complete cryptocurrency industry and the other whatever 2,999 cryptos make up like the other 40 percent so i think right there that's your first indication maybe that it could be a fluke right it's absolutely possible that that may change in the future i will say though that that has been the case. I mean, Bitcoin was the first sort of successful cryptocurrency, right? And then you had Litecoin and Ethereum. But I mean, never at any point have any of them even come close to supplanting Bitcoin as the top cryptocurrency. So sure. just from a market cap perspective, I think there's a, a strong argument sure. to be made that Bitcoin is number one, and it's going to take a lot. I mean, Ethereum's market cap would need to increase by... Their market cap is $67 billion compared to Bitcoin's 355. So what is that? To it's like you know, 290 almost, $290 billion mm. that it would need to increase to even match it. That's not exceed. That's just that, that's equity, right? right? So now if we look beyond that, uh, if you look at proof-of-work-based cryptocurrencies, which is what Bitcoin is, that's how the mining network is secured. It's called proof-of-work. And, and, it, and it just means that. Like, it, it's basically the whole idea behind Bitcoin was that the mining process is supposed to kind of emulate... Um, Gold mining, right? Like right. at the very beginning, it was really easy to mine Bitcoin, just like in the 1800s. Everybody, you know, you could go out to California and probably strike it rich, man. All you got to do is just dig around in a couple of hills and you've yep. got a bucket of gold. Um, now, though, a hundred years later, it is much harder to mine gold. We're doing like mining it off of the ocean floor, like that, right? Because all the low hanging fruit we've already gotten it. Similarly you know when bitcoin was created the block reward so like the reward that miners get when they when they Dude. solve a block every 10 minutes was 50 50 bitcoin every 10 minutes no was way. created 50 bitcoin wow. and every 4 years that number cuts in half so from like 2009 to it actually was a little under 4 years the first time i think it was 3 it was like 2009 to 2012 every 10 minutes 50 new bitcoin were created from 2012 to 2016 25 were created Man. From 2016 to 2014, actually, I think there might be another one because I'm pretty sure we're at six and a quarter now. So there must have been another one that I missed somewhere in there. But basically, like, it, it sort of mimics that that idea of, like, as the network progresses, as as it grows, that it becomes more and more, it requires more and more effort to to make less Bitcoin. And so, you know, if you extrapolate that out, I mean... I think within, so we're at six and a quarter now. So within, within a little over a decade, we'll be under or near like one Bitcoin per 10 minutes that's being created. And I don't think that we've even begun to see like the supply shock that that will cause. Because you have, if you look at MicroStrategy and Square alone, between those two companies, every new Bitcoin that's created every day is bought by those companies. Really? it's like 900 Bitcoin created a day. They're buying, they're actually buying more than that on most days between those two companies. And so like, I think that, you know, long-term, right? Unless unless something happens that makes a lot more people want to sell their Bitcoin. Um, you know, and, and the obvious answer of what could, what could make that happen is the price increasing. So I guess we'll see. I, you know, I personally have some, some cash out points. I, I do plan to cash out a little bit over the next year. My wife and I are talking about um buying another house we're we're looking to start a family we have a very small house right now and we want to have a little more room sure. and a little more land and so like you know even that though the amount of bitcoin that i plan on cashing out is less than uh, it's about a quarter of my total holdings and i'm and and my plan is to cash that out to buy a cyber truck and a car or a cyber, a, a truck. cyber truck and a house so like nice. it, you know like i'm not cashing it out to like take a vacation or something like sure. that like i'm i'm going big you know and so sure. like that's what it is to me and even then like i said i'm not going to sell more than a quarter of it because i plan on keeping three quarters of it for my retirement and uh i actually hope to leave my kid a little bit of bitcoin someday if i can you know because i feel like that'll be hopefully setting them up for a good good start so
0: absolutely no that's that's huge i mean you got you got me fired up to try this bitcoin thing out too and you know (laughs) <laughs> it's
1: well i am definitely happy to answer any questions you have man like i said like i said earlier i am i am not an expert i'm not um mm-hmm. i'm just a nerd and i i happen to be really enamored by bitcoin just for some personal reasons that we talked about earlier and i've been mm-hmm. you know i've done a lot of reading about it and i've watched a lot of videos I've, you know i hesitate to call that stuff research but like um i have Exposure ingested a lot of information we'll say yeah. about bitcoin and I, I think that at this point, I have a good idea of like what kind of advice to give to other people. I'm not a very, I, I like making money. I want to be really clear about that, right? <laughs> like, I don't think that there's anybody on earth that if you're like, here, you want 10 bucks? That wouldn't be like, oh yeah, sure, you know. But I'm not very money driven, right? Like I've made sure. career decisions before that are like more about my happiness than money. You know, like sure. I, I try really hard not to be like a money driven person. But um, I think like, You know, Bitcoin has changed my life just in the sense that I think long term about money now. And I and I just don't spend as frivolously. I think about like, you know, what kind of future do I want to have? And how does that happen? Right. Like you don't like a good example. I mentioned before we started recording that my wife and I have both effectively doubled our salaries within the last four years. And for me, part of that that. Well, so for part of that for me, when we bought this house four years ago, I made 50 about 50 grand a year. And I told her at the time, I said Said so I want to double my salary within five years. I Want to mm-hmm. double my salary within five years. It was twenty sixteen. So my goal was by twenty twenty one, I want to be making six figures.
2: Sure.
1: And my wife asked me at the time. At the time, I was a tier one support rep for a cybersecurity company, which, not you know, not to sound egotistical, was actually a little bit of a step back for me career wise. I took that step because um, it was a lateral move, pay wise, but I wanted to work remote. And so I was working. I was like the head IT guy for like an ad and marketing firm in yep. Portland. Uh, was my last job before I started working remote. And I went from that to uh, working remotely for the cybersecurity company. Uh, but it felt a little bit like a step back in my career. And I, you know, I hmm. didn't, I had applied for like a tier three role in, in that same team and I didn't get it. And so right. she asked me, she's like, well, how, how are you going to do that? I said, <laughs> it's like a great Zoom. question. I have no idea. Like rob a bank, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> you know? It's like, I don't I, I'm not good looking enough that I can be a zoom. Like I have very limited (laughs) options here. Okay. What I ended up doing though, was, you know, I, I think the, I think the most important thing was that I set that goal. Right. And I had, I had like very little idea of how to accomplish it once I set the goal, but I also feel like that, you know, five years is, I mean, that's, it gives me some time to figure it out. Right. So so those chain, what I did was uh, I kept an eye out for open positions at the company that I was working for. I didn't really want to change jobs. I had only been there for when we bought this house. I had only been at that job for like six months, and so I didn't, yep. you know, I didn't want to move to a new employer. My goal was to establish credibility at that company, which I think I did by doing a good job at my at my current role that I had, and then use that to springboard to another position.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: in about seven months, I mean, it was like seven eight months after we bought the house, after I had set that goal. Uh, A position came open on the professional services team at that company uh, as a program manager, basically running cybersecurity awareness campaigns for a set of clients. Like I would go from, so, you know, in a support role, I don't know if you ever worked in in technical support. And to answer your question, by the way, I've never worked in sales. Um, I just love talking to people. I actually have a background, my my background, uh, is, is mostly like like my it background i started at a small computer retail store in Clovis, ohio i did i was split half between retail up front and then i also did uh bench work in the back so like taking sure. taking shit apart fixing it and then um i was probably one of the first like i was probably one of the first like ten thousand people to sell stuff on ebay back in the late wow. like, 1999 2000 part That's of my fantastic. job there was uh i would refurb equipment and then photograph it on an old sony Mavica a digital camera that used a uh uh, three and a half inch floppy disk for the storage. So you can only store oh, like man. 12 pictures on the damn the damn thing. But uh, I would photograph Shut those up. and put them up on eBay. So anyway, so so I, my main background though is after that I kind of got into support. So when you're working on a support team, you're kind of nameless, right? Like you're on a team, you're working out of a queue, tickets come in and it's pretty much round robin. Whoever's available gets it. Um, there's not a lot of ownership, right? It's very transactional. You're like, here, let me fix it Zoom. for you. And then cool, have a great day. See ya. And the next time there's a good chance that you're not even going to get me, you're going to get, you know, somebody else on my team. Um, So I went from that to, you know, I, I was a a information security program manager. It was my title. sounded super fancy. I had like, you know, 14 clients assigned to me that I was their guy. I'm like the face of the company. You know, I honestly, I should have gotten more of a raise than I did. Um, They, they kind of stiffed me on the salary negotiations. I went from uh, 50 to 70, uh, 50 grand to 70 grand making that move. Uh, I was, I, I'm fairly certain that I was the lowest paid person on that team for a while. Sure. Uh, and then, but, but you know, but I, it's like, was I a little burned about that? Yeah, I guess. I mean, at the end of the day though, I was still bringing home like over a thousand bucks more a month after tax. So like, you know, we'll call it a net positive. Right. And so I just busted my ass, man. I did the best job I could. i learned the job as best as I could. I, I helped out uh, for internal projects, as, as much as I could, and yep. then um, uh, about a year into that role, I got a ten thousand dollar raise. Went wow. from you know eight, uh, seventy to eighty. Uh, did did that for you know about, about another six months. There was a round of layoffs at that company that I was not included in. I still had a job there, but you know, kind of the writings on the wall at that point, right? They fired like twenty percent of their workforce. like wow. a four 400- hundred. 400 person company that fired 75 people, something like that. So like the writing's kind of on the wall at that point. I started looking for new jobs, found, found a job at my current company, making 95. Mm -hmm. So I went from 80 to 95. Uh, so, so I was like almost there. Right. And at that point, let's see, I started, so I started into at a degree in February of 2019. So within a little over three years at that point, I had almost doubled my salary. So we're a little over the halfway Mark and I'm, I'm more than halfway there. And so I was I was stoked, man. But I'm like, how do I, I tried in the negotiations for Degree, I tried to get them to get to go up to a hundred. Just, it's like, I mean, like a 95, man, like come five on, grand more a month. come on. And they just, they wouldn't do it. And it's fine. You know, it is what it is. Like I said, was I burned about it? Eh, maybe a little. Go in there, just bust my ass, do my best job. And I actually, um, I left before I got a raise, because I left to go work for Cybertrace and I got a raise going from Cybertrace from 95 to 120. It was a significant, probably like Congrats. the biggest raise I've ever gotten in my life, right? And I was stoked. And then six weeks later, I got laid off. Man. It felt like a real kick in the gut, man. Like, you you know, you set a goal like that when you're like, I mean, you know, I started at CypherTrace in February of this year. So like, you know, a little over four years uh, after I set that, or not even four years, because uh, four years would have been this November now that I think about it. So yeah, like a little over three years, right? I actually met and exceeded the goal by 20 grand. Wow. And then I had it just taken away from me like so shortly after that I hadn't even really settled into the job. Yeah. I was bummed. I was really bummed, man. I just felt like, like talk about a, you know, kick in the, kick in the gut. And so uh, I ended up going back to degree, and I said, look, you know, I'd like to come back here. I know that you filled my position cause I trained, I trained my replacement.
2: Before yeah.
1: I left. And so uh, we were able to work something out there where I came back as a trainer for the team mm-hmm. that i was working on. So I helped to train new people I actually got to continue training my replacement ironically That's hilarious. about a month about like 2 months after i left yep. um, i did so but they they didn't want to bring me back as a as a full-time employee i think they were a little gun shy right like i had already left because i was a contractor though i was actually able to negotiate a higher salary so i came back yep. in at 105 And so now, and and then, so I worked as a contractor for one Oh five for like six months. And then I, and then I applied for an opening on a, on an adjacent team to, to the one I had been working on and I got right now, you know, still at that same rate. So like, so here we are, you know, it's a four years and one month later and that goal and even exceeded it by a little bit. My wife, um, she did something similar. She's basically a director where before she was, uh, she does, uh, quality assurance for a food manufacturing company. So she's like a, like a biology background. She has a lot of uh, like certifications for, for food safety and that kind of stuff. And so she basically was able to use those certifications and that background to get into a manager role from, she had been just tech before. And so she moved to a new company as a manager and then Mm -hmm. like two or three months in, they actually fired her boss and now she has her boss's job. Wow. So
0: look at that. What an interesting
2: couple of years for you.
1: Ah, oh, man. I mean, you know, I feel really fortunate and and you know, it's it's funny because, like, I feel like that you know the stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? Like we had to work to make those changes. I think part no. of it, but I don't know that we would have done that if we hadn't set a goal, right? I think no. having that goal in the back of my mind, like this is my goal. And again, I'm not a super money driven person, but it's like I just wanted to get to a point where I knew that we could live comfortably and be able to save a little bit of money so that, you know, I, so, like my wife, my wife grew up in extreme poverty. Like we were, right. we were like, a, we were like a lower middle class. I'll say again, it's like I had like LA gear sneakers and, you yeah. know, we lived in an apartment when all my, a bunch of kids I went to school with all lived in like mansions. Zoom. So, you know, comparatively, I felt very poor growing up. But when I met my wife, man, and she's telling me about like some of the she went through growing up, they didn't have running water. They had the, wow. you know, she, she told me stories about how they would eat. Rotten food, because it was at least something to eat. Yeah, she can't. She can't even eat ham now. Like to this day, twenty years later, she can't eat ham because she got forced to eat like like spoiled ham as a kid, and it made her sick. And she's like, even the smell of ham, it just makes me makes me want to retch. You know. know? And so, like coming from, especially her, right? But but like the even both of us, the backgrounds that that we've come from, where you know we have had to struggle for things, and we have had to, you know, we've had to go without. I think that it does, it makes us both want to provide a better life for our kid. But going back to what you asked me about earlier, I think it's also really important to understand like the value of things. I think the reason why that's so important to us is because we've been on the other side of it. And I think the danger there too is like, you know, you look at these rich kids where they have everything handed to them and, and they're just sort of spoiled. So like for me, I'm looking forward to, you know, I want to pay my kids uh, uh, pay my kids allowance in Bitcoin, you know, to kind of teach them the idea that like, I don't know, I personally believe that Bitcoin will continue to appreciate in value, right? Like there's only so many of them and as more money comes in, I mean, yep. that's, that's like the supply most- Supply and demand. You could not ask for a more basic example of supply and demand, right? Like, and, yep. and so I guess it's arguable as to whether or not the demand will increase, but I personally think that there are clear indications that it is. And so the idea is that, you know, what is it that they say right now that you need to need to have like a couple million socked away for retirement so that you can just live off the interest kind of thing is what they, what they Mm -hmm. recommend. Bitcoin doesn't get interest. Right. But it does, it it can increase in value. And so it's like, I, I think it'd be cool to be able to give my kids something that, you know, that if they hang on to it would increase in value over time um, hopefully and make, make their lives a little easier so that they, I'm sure that they'll have struggles, right? We all have struggles. My goal though, is to make sure that my kid doesn't have the same kinds of struggles that I had.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's very admirable of you, Dan, you know, you went through hardship in your life that a lot of people can't even imagine. Right. And you've used that experience of, you know, like going through these hardships and you want a better life for your children. You know, it's, uh, and it's not just that. You don't want to just give them money. You, it's, it, what's that example? You know, like you can teach someone to fish and give them food for their life or you can give someone a couple of awesome smoked salmons. And, you know, smoked salmon, shout out, Canada. We love it. But, uh, you know, you got you to gotta think long-term. And it's not just the money that you're giving them. You're teaching them how to use their money and whether or not they continue with Bitcoin, which I'm, I think I, I can appreciate that you want them to. They'll at least know how to do it. They'll change their understanding of thinking. And honestly, dare I say it, that can change a life permanently. And I think that's just a fantastic thing that you're doing. Um, Thanks, yeah, I know. 100%. Uh, I mean, uh, go
1: ahead. I was going to say, I'll shout it out, even though by the time this airs, I know you mentioned that this will air in early January. This this class, this session will be over by then. But yep. uh, Saturday, this Saturday on the 12th, I'm actually hosting my first Bitcoin 101 informational session it's a 45 minute uh, zoom call where um, i basically plan to spend about 25 minutes uh, with a presentation talking about sort of at a high level overview what is bitcoin right because i could spend mm. the entire time talking about just that but really we're just going to talk about a high level overview of like what is bitcoin why mm. should you care about it right like what's the what's the big deal you know uh, how do you get some and then once you have some, how do you secure it, <laughs> right? So that you yeah. don't lose all your money. Um, those so like like I mentioned, I've had a lot of people reach out to me about Bitcoin, right? Some some close friends, um, some people that I haven't talked to for a long time. Like I've yeah. had a couple of people that are like like classmates from high school, and I graduated in 1999. So I mean, there's some of those people that I have I have barely spoken with for 20 years, oh. um, and they're reaching out to me. Hey, I see that you're into Bitcoin. I have questions. You know, I had a guy reach out to me the other day. I don't even, you know, it's weird. I. It's like, uh, I think he sent me a friend request on Facebook and I added him just because of our mutual friends. And I, I could tell that we went to high school together, but I didn't even recognize him. Um, he graduated like a year before me. And mm-hmm. he said, uh, he said, Hey, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about this because, um, because let me, let me find it here. He said like, I'm just going to paraphrase it. He basically just said like, look, you know, I want to start a savings account for my kid. He has a young child. I want to start a savings account for my kid. And my bank savings account only offers a 0.05%, 0.05% interest. And he's like, I just, which, which by the way, that doesn't even beat inflation. Like it doesn't even come close to beating inflation. I think inflation targets are like 2% a year. Yeah. Uh, although I'll, I'll be interested to see what the next couple of years will be. Uh, <sighs> well, be let's not, let's not go but there, right. <laughs> right? So like, so like, if you put your money into a bank account at 0.05% interest, you You're are losing actually money. effectively losing money over time. Yeah. Yep. And so, like, I think as more and more people catch on to that, and and I do think even though our Fed here has said, "Oh, we're not going to do negative interest rates and all that," Zoom. they're already doing it in Europe, man. I think it's only a matter of time before, you know, we're going to get back to the point where keeping your money in the bank actually literally costs you money. Like they're just going to take money out, you know, and then you've got inflation on top of that. And it's like, Mm -hmm. why would anybody put money in a bank at that point? Oh yeah. It's FDIC insured. That's the answer I hear all the time. Oh, it's FDIC insured. Well, you know, look, that's great. That's awesome. I think the FDIC insurance, I mean, it exists for a reason, right? Like we, we had a, Catastrophe in this country where a lot of people lost a lot of money and they said, We need to make sure that never happens again. Yep. Great. I think the reality is we have not experienced anything like that since. I question mm-hmm. the efficacy of it. I, I wonder if there were a nationwide bank run, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or, if we're, or if there was some kind of nationwide failure of the banking system, okay. how far would that insurance truly go if you have everybody in the country that's trying to claim all of their money at once?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I hope mean, we
1: never have to find out.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, let's let's bring an example to Venezuela. I'm not sure if you're following the financial situation there, but I think it's I don't know how much people can withdraw, but it's a set amount that they can withdraw either every day or every week and, you know, it it's just such a sad yeah, situation.
1: It's allowed to change your money you're not allowed to take your bolivars and change them to us dollar it's illegal mm-hmm. people still do it right but it's technically illegal yep. and yes i am i am very aware of what's happening in venezuela thanks to um get, give him a shout out uh there's a, a reddit user i believe his name is working lime and he posts um he posts pretty often on the bitcoin subreddit i would say maybe once a week or maybe at least, at least once a month right updates from venezuela and the updates that he posts are—I um, just read one earlier. He basically posts like, "This is the ex- this is the exchange rate. It's this many bolivars to one bitcoin, right?" And I've seen that number increase like crazy. I remember when it hit—I yeah. remember when it hit one billion bolivars to one bitcoin earlier this year. And I think yeah. at this point, it's over. It's like over three billion. I mean, it's it's like continues to to uh, the the gap continues to widen. Um, and it's crazy. Office, like how much uh, Bitcoin volume has been traded on local bitcoins in the country for that week, and then he also posts what the what the minimum wage is in U.S. dollars. The monthly minimum wage right now in Venezuela is like a buck fifty U.S. dollars. It's insane to think monthly. about like, monthly, monthly. Now he did wow. say because I asked him, because somebody else asked him the thread today. It was like, well, so if it's a buck and some change a month, you know, for, for wages, how much does food cost? Like how much does a loaf of bread cost? How much does a does a gallon of milk cost? And he said, Well, a loaf of bread is like 75 cents. And a gallon of milk is like three bucks. And I said, and, and I replied to that and I said, Well, well, I, I said, Well, help me understand. I said, if if a if a loaf of bread costs half like basically half a month wages. Yeah. And a gallon of milk costs two months' wages. How are people eating? You know. And uh, he said basically that the government gives people food boxes, which you know, socialist country. I guess like I guess it's good that they're at least doing that, but it's a shame that they're even in the spot that they're in. And I mean, without getting into a whole like socialism versus communism debate, personally, I I I think there are merits from both. I think that you know any any one system that falls strictly into one or the other. I think is going to end up very, very bad for the common person, I right? I think in a capitalist system, uh, capitalist system, strictly capitalist, you're going to end up with, uh, and, and we know this from history, right? You're going yep. to end up with Zoom. robber barons because we tried that and that's pretty much what happened. Um, and in, this, in the case of socialist government, we also have plenty of evidence there that, you know, you basically basically end up with rich government people. So it's like, well, do you want rich business people or do you want rich government people Either yeah, way, well, like the common person is totally Zoom. Um, yep. But I would say maybe especially so right now in Venezuela. I, I have a lot of empathy for people in that situation. And in fact, I would urge your listeners who maybe also feel similarly empathetic about that scenario to look into, and, and I don't remember any of the sites. Look up that Reddit user, go to reddit.com slash you slash working lime. And look through that guy's comment history, because I'm pretty sure that he has posted links to um, a few freelance sites that specifically are for Venezuelan people. And it's a win-win scenario, right? Because first of all, you can find somebody that's willing to work for like, let's be honest, like, you you know, poverty wages. Um, I would suggest maybe a little more than than what they ask for, because I think that whatever they quote you is going to be too low. Yeah. but I've heard that they do really good work. I mean, we're talking about the you know, graphic designers, uh, like like developers who can write code and granted yeah. there might be a, a translation issue, but there's uh, actually a couple of people that I think that he named by username that are like, this guy, this guy does this and he's got good English skills, you know, like there are people out there who are willing to work for their living, right? Yeah. Like, cause that's the thing is like, I started to look at like, well, how can I donate money to Venezuela? You know, people with, like to people in Venezuela. Yeah. And unfortunately, like many charities, you run into an issue where, you know, a lot of charities are top heavy, the money that you donate yep. to them, you're lucky if like a, out of every dollar, you're lucky if a dime actually makes it to where you want it to go. And so I decided not to go that route. And instead I've decided that I'm going to, the next time I have any kind of freelance project, which I occasionally have like graphic design jobs and like, Hey, design this, Yeah, you know, I need a website made right now, actually. And I'm going to try right. and find a Venezuelan who's willing to do that. And I'd much rather just pay somebody. You know, I mean, cause I feel like that, that provides like a source of dignity for that person too, Definitely. right? Like if you say to that person, like, oh, you know, a handout versus a hand up to, to use a cliche. Um, but it's like, nobody wants to feel like that they, that they owe somebody a favor, yep. you know, and at least this way, there's a way to, to mutually beneficial. You can get some money into the hands of people who really need it and you can get jobs done for way cheaper than any freelancer here in the States is going to charge you, you know, absolutely. Absolute sure economic context. So.
0: Absolutely, and you know that that brings up an interesting psychological theory. I'm going to guess right now because I can't think exactly of the name, but I believe it's called the self-determination theory. And it's essentially—I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Are you?
1: I'm not. No.
0: So it's that essentially sounds interesting. On-
1: though I'm a, I'm a fan based on the name.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's based on three pillars: competence, relatedness, and autonomy. And essentially, in any line of work or anything that we're doing, we're trying to get three of these things. And different people have different, you know, uh, nuances what that they those? like in each.
1: Competence, relatedness, and autonomy.
0: Yeah, let, let me search it since uh, self-determination theory. Determination theory. Did I get it right? Yeah, I'm, for- a, I'm a big fan. Oh, yeah. Sweet. No, I'm just putting it, right. it down.
1: I'm just making notes.
0: Yeah, so uh, I got it right. So thumbs up for me um you know yeah so we're always trying to get these things from life and when you pay someone to do something they get competence you could donate it to them but you know they wouldn't actually feel good and that's why i think have you heard of the icky guy from japan
2: Mm-mm.
0: so i i don't remember the exact specifics of it but essentially you need money you need to have something that you're passionate about you need to do something that you love and you need to serve your community and if you can find all of this you will live such an amazing life and that's why so, you know sorry
1: like self like inner fulfillment exactly that would be exactly
0: path to inner peace exactly and you know like when you give these individuals who are needing money and who have that competence a way to express that you're not only just giving them financial stability which helps them financially their health and their mental health but you're also helping them you know fulfill themselves because one of the interesting things right now is a lot of places in the world, not even only in Venezuela, I believe Zimbabwe has this too, where there's just no jobs. There's, I don't actually, I can't speak to no jobs for Venezuela because I don't, I'm not sure of that you may be able to. me.
1: Yeah. it's I, And again, I'm not an expert, but it's my understanding that there's just not, there aren't many opportunities for work. And yeah. unfortunately, because of the, because of the economy there, the few opportunities that you can find for work, they don't pay well, yeah. even in, you know, even in the local currency, right? Yeah. So like, yeah, it's, I mean, I cannot ima- I cannot even begin to imagine,
0: you know, the type of existence that that is. Exactly. And, you know, even in uh, Zimbabwe, there just isn't work, you know, and what people are doing to get that sense of fulfillment, actually, they're doing something different. They're avoiding that feeling. And there's been a huge epidemic. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it's called an epidemic, exactly, like scientific wise, but, you know, it's, it's a huge issue right now that a lot of individuals, especially the youth, are going to cough syrup medication to Mm. just let go of that and not think about anything, you know, and, and that's so scary. Other individuals can hire these people that, you know, can save them money because, you know, cheaper country, they can give them fulfillment and they can give them money too. And, you know, you should try to support your own country as much as possible, but I think it's important to think in a broad term as well. You know, I didn't get to pick where I grew up. I was born into this right. world, into a family and whatever happened, I had some thought into it, but a lot of things happen out of your control. And just by me and you being in North America, Dan, we're so privileged. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. You know, and even, even
1: with the hardships that I've been through in my life, Parham. And, and, and like I said, I mean, I've seen some, Zoom. men like I, I wish that, you know, I would not wish some of the things that I've been through on my worst enemy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like watching somebody that you love die from cancer you know, losing, losing a parent in the way that I did and and finding them the way that I did. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't even know like what kind of person I would be like without that. Because I mean, honestly, like, I feel like that, you know, I didn't get, I didn't get a childhood after that. My childhood was, was essentially stolen from me. And I don't blame my dad, like to be clear, like my dad was, was ill, you know, like he had, he had lifelong struggles with depression. He had tried to kill himself many times. And apparently, like, apparently, when I was born, he was older when I was born. He was, I was 55 when I was born, and he had tried to kill himself like multiple times. Right. And and I guess after I was born, that almost decade, he didn't try it once. So like, it was almost like it gave him like a like a little more wind in his sails. I think that if I hadn't been born, I have a feeling that my dad would have died long before he did. You know, and so like. um Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I think like even with all that, though, I absolutely agree with with what you said. I think that, I think that privilege is a little bit of a loaded word, especially in this society. I think a lot of people bristle when they hear that because yep. they feel like, well, I've been through things, I've yep. struggled, you yep. know, I've had to, I've had to scrape by, I've had to claw and scratch, and yep. sometimes steal and borrow. You know, like yep. I, we've all, every single one of us, have probably done Zoom that. We wish that we. You know, didn't, didn't have to happen to or do. Yeah. Um, so, like, sorry, my headphones just died. Oh, um, so, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's uh, like you said. I had zero choice in that. I had nothing to do with it. You know. Um, but I'm I I have a lot of I have a lot of sympathy for the people that you know the opposite side of that coin. where like they also like the people that are in Venezuela right now. Most of them probably had very little to do with that. It just happened to be where they were born. Most people, I think, even in, even here in America, a lot of people die, live and die like twenty within a twenty mile radius of when they were born. So it that's a hard thing to break out of, man.
0: Yeah, and it's it's just such a tough thing. And to clarify, because thanks for actually bringing this up, everyone has their demons, and I'm not knocking you down or anyone else who's listening to this for going through anything that you are and you know I think one way that I'd like to kind of show this is I I learned this from a friend actually and they mentioned that you know like yeah some people have gone through a lot of things some people haven't had food for maybe 20 days out of 30 days but for another person they may not even have that understanding and like something that's a minor magnitude for that person may be such a big deal and I don't think people should feel ashamed for that right because they just don't have that experience and it's hard for people to understand without going through life. And you're mentioning that, you know, without the experiences that you've had, you wouldn't be the person that you are today. And I, I don't know if I can speak to you for this, but I, I feel the exact same way. And that's kind of why this show is the way that it is. I want to know it. about people. I want to know about what made you the person that you are. I want people to understand that life isn't easy and it doesn't have to be easy. You should embrace that. And you know, Go forward and persevere because that's how you're going to enjoy your life. That's how you're going to find success. And success isn't just a monetary number. And it can be. But I honestly think fulfillment and happiness and contentment at the end of it is what's important. Because you you bring up a lot of people in their deathbed. You ask them, what did you want to do? Oh, I should have done this. Oh, I should have done that. Oh, I should have taken life easier. You know, just do what you want to do, what you're passionate about. Go forward with it. And you know, Dan, for you, I think one of the passions that you have, if it's fair to say, is Bitcoin and the advocacy for it. Right? You know. Yeah. And I appreciate. Actually, that.
1: can I can I can I clarify on that? I think I think that if anything, I am most passionate about financial freedom. Huge. But Bitcoin led you to is it. By far, the best vehicle for that that I personally have found. Sure. And so maybe, maybe a better one will come along. And if that ever happens, I will reevaluate my support of Bitcoin. I may I might, you know, might potentially switch to a new team if something better does come along. Um, yeah. To me, the something better, I, I, I have a hard time envisioning what that would be. Yeah. You know, the, the um, it, one, and, and, you know, one thing I want to mention, cause I know we're, I, I don't know how much time you have. I honestly have all day, but I'm sure you don't. Um, <laughs> Although my wife probably wants some help putting up Christmas lights later. Uh, okay. You know, we didn't even get to some of the things that I wanted to talk about, man, because in my life, because you know, I know that you're big on like, like personal process, right? And like, yeah. like I guess you could probably call it self-improvement too, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: so like some of the things that, that I've done in my life, man, and, and I'll get to the process that I used to to do all of these things, because really, I think if we're talking at a high level, it's the same sort of like loose framework just applied to different scenarios so the things that that i've been able to change or improve in my life uh i used to have just nasty bloody fingernails man pretty much my whole life as a kid i used to i had a lot of anxiety if you can imagine maybe some of the things that i went through i i had a lot of just like nervous energy and i would like chew on my fingernails and they'd just be like jagged and bleeding and just nasty and uh when i was about 24 I decided that I, uh, like twenty four twenty five. I decided that I didn't want to do that anymore. Right. And it took me a few years to get to this point, but what I did, so, so the first thing I did, right, when we talk about like the framework, uh, sure. the first thing I did was set a goal. I said, I don't want to chew my fingernails anymore. I don't like this about myself. I want to no. change it. I've, I feel like that one danger of rut that a lot of people fall into is, well, this is just how I am. Mm. I'm just this way. I'm just this kind of person. I chew my fingernails, that's just how I am. We are what we make ourselves to be. Like, I think that, that, you know, it it is, there is almost zero argument that like one of human beings, like key traits that have allowed us the evolutionary advantage to to sort of rise to the position that we are in is our adaptability. And so like, none of us are just that way. None of us, that's not just how we are. Like you can change yourself, if you want to. And I think a really important part of that is is setting a goal as like a first Mm -hmm. step. So goal, stop chewing my fingernails. So again, at the very beginning, I'm just like, well, how do I accomplish that goal? And I started trying to think like, I'm a problem solver, right? And and part of my job with a support background, my career has really been centered around finding, we'll say like um, creative solutions or workarounds to problems. And so I applied that same kind of thought process to how do I stop chewing my fingernails? And a couple of things that I identified. So first of all, I chew my fingernails when I'm bored. Mm. I chew my fingernails, and I also chew my fingernails when they get too long. And so what can I do instead? Well, for me, I tend to wear pocket pocket T-shirts. Like if, if I'm wearing a, just a T-shirt, it's usually got a pocket. If I'm wearing a graphic tee, I usually have a shirt over it that has a pocket. And if I don't, I've got jeans on that pocket. So what I started doing was I bought a pair of nail clippers, a second, like a second pair of nail clippers. So I have my nail clippers at home. And then I always had a pair with me. And for like two years, man, every time that I would catch myself chewing my fingernails, which by the way, especially in the beginning was very often. And I think that's another, maybe we'll call it a corollary to that first step in the framework, right? So set a goal and then you need to understand, you set a goal with the understanding that you're going
3: to fail.
1: Like you are not yep. going to hit that goal immediately, and if you are, if you're if you're setting goals and you're hitting them right away, then you need to be setting harder goals for yourself, you mm-hmm. know, or or at least like, yep. or at the very least that those easy goals need to be like a, a list of multiple easy goals so yep. that you can just ding 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 write down them, and then when you're right, at the right. end, you're like, I've I've actually accomplished something.
0: Dan. So So set- Dan. I got to stop you here, man. Like there's just so much things to talk about, you know, like, yeah, yeah. First of all, we're talking about goals. Goal setting is absolutely important. And then you're talking about smaller goals in between. Now, the interesting thing is when you combine these two things, you are way more likely to do something. So just the fact that you talked about that, that's incredible. The next thing that you talked about, which I really appreciated, Dan, was the fact that you're like, okay, let's break it down why do I do this? And that is so important. Because you know, in life, when we go through stressful events, especially at first, when we're young, especially, and we don't know how to cope with it, we do something. For some individuals, I think the classic example is you go through a hardship, you open up that jack, and you you bring it down. And I'm not just using that it can be any alcoholic beverage or substance. Sure. And that becomes a cue, you're feeling literally becomes acute. And those two parts of your brain, the emotional side, when you have that feeling and pretty much a memory of going into that kind of become linked and they become coupled. So you have yeah. to avoid it. And there's been certain studies where they showed that, you know, if you used to be a former smoker and you just hang out with the people you used to smoke, you're more likely to do it. So you need to move out of the environment completely. And what you're we'll mentioning, Dan- We'll get
1: to that one in a minute.
0: <laughs> oh man, you know? And you know, what you're mentioning, Dan, is like, you realize that, hey, when my nails are long, I'm more likely to do it. When I'm feeling a little bit anxious, I'm more likely to do it. So you cut them, you put a nail clipper, you changed your environment. You know, these are huge points. And it, it, it's not just applicable to this. It's, expli- it's applicable to life. It's applicable it's a, it's a framework, to right? It's a framework, yeah. And, you know, I just wanted to add that because I wanted to expand on it. That's a really big thing that I do in my own life, too. So please go ahead.
1: Actually, uh, maybe instead of framework, we can call it a personal process. <laughs> there
0: you go. Hey, I like that. I like that.
1: Hey, it's like when they use the title of the movie, like in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so oh, yeah, and, and and you know, I want to be clear too, I'm not knocking small goals. I think that, you know, it's it's fine to set big goals. It's fine to set a small goal. I do think it's important though, that if you're going to set a small and easily achievable goal, it needs to be part of a like multiple steps, right? Because mm-hmm. like otherwise what's the point? Otherwise you're just patting yourself on the back for, for just nothing. And and yeah. like I think we all already get enough like participation trophies these days as it is, you know, like we're we're talking about like changing your life, man. Like changing making your life better those kinds of goals, if, if it just happened, and if it was just easy for, for people to do that, everybody would, would have better lives, right? We'd all be rich and thin and <laughs> good looking, you know, like, but that's just not how it is. Like, if, yeah. if it were that easy, everybody would do it. Um, so, so for me, it's like, yeah, set the goal, know that you're going to fail, find out why you're doing the things. I think understanding why things are happening is an important part to changing them. Uh, And so for me, uh, it took me about two years, but I successfully quit chewing my fingernails. My fingernails now are, you know, they're not bloody, they're not jagged, they're pretty, I do keep them pretty short, uh, mainly because I play guitar, but also because it's hard to, it's hard to chew on something that's not there. But I gotta say, I do not remember the last time that I caught myself chewing my, my fingernail. There are some times where I will chew, like if I got like a, like a little skin around or something, you know
0: yeah but it completely
1: changed my life that's a billion dollar industry by the way quitting that quitting chew your nails there they make like little uh they make like little nail polishes and stuff that you can do there's like all kinds of like you know people there are some people that go through like hypnosis so that they can stop chewing their fingernails it can be done though it's um i found this out later but Mm -hmm. my the, the the sort of process approach that i took for this is very similar to um, what is, I, I think anyway, I'm not a big expert on this stuff, but it's very similar to like mindfulness
0: in a lot of ways, right? Meditation. It's, it's just
1: being, being aware Present. of like, and, and don't, don't be mad at yourself. Right. Cause again, you set the goal knowing that you're going to fail it at least a few times. And so every yep. time you fail it, instead of saying like, oh, you zoom, idiot, you dumb again, like what a, what a worthless piece of zoom, you are like, yep. aren't you just, up? you know, you just say, yep. yep. All right. I expected this. I knew this was going to happen. And now I've identified it and we're right back on track, right? And in my case, in the case of the fingernails, it was, I'd be mid-chewing them and I'd be like, oh, I'm chewing my fingernails. And so I would literally, I would just stop, grab the clippers and just clip the rest of my nails, file the ones that I had chewed on and then put them back in my pocket and go about my day. So, So that was kind of my first, like, that was my first adventure of like, man, I really don't like this about myself. This, this like big thing I don't like about myself and I want to change it. And so a couple of other things that I've been able to apply that to, I've really, I mean, I took a same a similar approach to what we were talking about earlier with the bill calendar, right?
3: Yep. And my credit is zoom.
1: Well, why is my credit zoom? Well, I'm not very good at remembering to pay my bills. I don't have a good memory. You know, that kind of stuff just isn't on my radar. So what can I do? Well, I'm not a big calendar guy. So at first I actually tried using like a, like a planner. Like, I'd re- like I had a, like a physical planner. Yep. Right down. I'm terrible at that, man. I can't do it yep. for anything. I can't do it for journaling. I can't do it for I'm just an internet guy. First of all, I can't even write more than like a page of text before my hand cramps up. I can sit yep. and type all day long. You asked me to write and I just, no, it, yep. I would much rather type it. So I thought, okay, well, I use Gmail all the time. I'm in Gmail every day. I've had it since like 2004. It's a huge part of my life. You know, I'm in yeah. there all the time. I don't use Google Calendar though, but eh, I, I, maybe I could. We'll try it. So in addition to, I always have my Gmail tab open, right? in addition to that i would then always have a google calendar tab open as well mm. and hey turns out that actually works and again like it was a process at the very beginning i there were there were plenty of bills that i that i missed right yeah fortunately my credit was already Zoom. Shit, so it's like that, you know i don't know that it could have been any worse unless i had filed bankruptcy i think it was about as yep. bad as it could get you know without just straight up going bankrupt and so yep. uh, that 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 made it easier to not beat Huge. myself up too much you know Huge. Yeah, And and here we are now, 10 years later, where I, you know, like I said, I, my credit score is a little lower than my wife's, but for folks in my age group, I have higher credit score than like 95% of people my age. And it is 100%. Thank you. It is 100% because I used this same process to say, I don't want to have credit anymore. You know, I want to buy a house someday. There's nobody that's going to be a damn mortgage right now with a, you know, 580 credit score. Yeah.
0: You
1: know, um...
0: and that's kind of, you know, what I was mentioning, like this is applicable in every aspect of life, every single aspect relationships, you know, you
1: mentioned smoking. I was a pack a day smoker for like 14, 13, 14 years, man. I started, uh, I had some, you know, I was like, you know you get like the teenage rebellion or whatever. I had smoked a few cigarettes, like here and mm. there, from the ages of like 13 to 19, but I wasn't a serious smoker. Starting at the age of 19 though, uh, I, I was a pack a day smoker for like, wow. from like nine, probably about the year 2000 to about 2013. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I tried everything, man. I tried, I tried patches. I tried, uh, the, the one success that I had outside of this process, I actually was able to successfully quit smoking using Chantix, which is a, that's hardcore, sh- man. Like that's a drug that f- your brain chemistry, like it literally right. stops nicotine from bonding to your neuroreceptors so you're really you're physically changing your brain chemistry when you take that drug that's how that's how much i wanted to quit smoking and it worked wow. it actually worked then katie died and you know uh a stress response right for me stress responses are eating which i'll get to in just a minute yeah. And smoking. at the time it was smoking yeah and so i you know i had been probably about three four months without a cigarette at that point katie died in january and then, bam, I'm right back to pack a day yeah. in 2011. So, yeah. for me, what it was, um, you know, it was the same kind of thing. Like, I would catch myself smoking a cigarette, and I would just be like, well, I've only taken two hits off of this cigarette. I'm going to just put it out and throw it away. Mm. Or, and, man, that sucks. I mean, i wasted a lot of cigarettes, and those aren't cheap. They're more expensive every day. But mm-hmm. You know, it's like, there has to be some kind of personal cost, right? Like if, because again, if it goes back to, if it's too easy, what's the point? Exactly. And so the easy answer would have been, well, I'll just finish smoking this one and then just not smoke anymore.
2: For but sure. That's not,
1: realistic. that's not realistic. Because when you finish smoking that one, you're going to smoke another one. But if you, if you put it out after two puffs, the next time you go to smoke a cigarette, you're going to, think, ah, man, Zoom. you know, do I really want to wait? Because, because first of all, you're going to yep. think about it before you even light it up right it's not yep. like the last time where you're like a few puffs in and you're like oh we're gonna cigarette
3: yeah you're
1: probably gonna think about it before you even light that cigarette and then the conversation becomes instead of in your head instead of thinking god damn it I, up, it's well do i want to up again
0: mm, yeah you know? no that's huge and uh dan I-, I know you wanted to talk about the food but you know like we've gone for a decent amount of time <laughs> okay, and we still haven't cool. even talked about the presidential candidate aspect of it so. Yeah,
1: the one thing i'll say about the food real quick and then we can talk about the pres- sure. honestly the presidency thing if we i think quicker than you think um okay the, the food thing uh i struggle with my weight my whole life man i'm a fat nerdy kid i spent my whole life pretty much inside on a computer yep. you know uh starting at the end of last year though uh i had to start taking blood pressure medication wow I was 300 pounds I was I was getting ready for a, I was getting ready for a work meeting with uh, one of my biggest clients they are like an aerospace uh, company in Seattle I'm sure you probably could guess and it was about 20 minutes before the meeting was supposed to start Monday morning it's like 8 a.m Monday morning 8:10 Monday morning I have like the worst
3: zoom headache
1: that I've ever had in my life man just throbbing in the back of my head yeah and I have a blood pressure cuff here
2: yep
3: I,
1: I had kind of high blood pressure uh, like it was like borderline and so my my doc said buy a blood pressure cuff Check your blood pressure every so often, you know. Let us know if it gets too high. So I bought the right. cuff. Never used it, of course. And so I at least had it here, though. And I thought, you know, I should take my blood pressure. I'm just curious because I could like feel my heartbeat in the back of my yeah. head. And I took my blood pressure, and I don't remember exactly what the numbers were, but it was like 187 was the first number. Wow. I remember when I looked it up on on Google, both numbers fell really squarely into the seek immediate medical attention category. And so uh I canceled my meeting, (laughs) needless to say.
2: And I drove
1: drove myself to the urgent care, which I probably should not have done. I probably should have like called an ambulance. Ambulance. Yeah. By the way, when you uh when you go into the uh doctors and give them the blood pressure numbers that I have, they see you very quick. I had actually never seen a doctor that quick. Within five minutes I was in a room with uh you know they did an EKG. And I said, well good news is, is you're not having a heart attack. I said, great. That's awesome. Said, <laughs> the bad news is, is that you're super fat, and and you're gonna die if you don't, you know, do something. I mean, they were a little nicer than that, but that was like the takeaway. Sure. Um, so, and in uh, in January, of, I, I honestly, stupidly, I didn't really do anything immediately after. This was like September, October. They gave me blood pressure medication. I was like, sweet pills. I'll just take those. So I didn't change anything. I kept eating like Zoom. I didn't do any exercise, and I just took those pills twice a day and. Around January, I realized that that probably wasn't, like, a sustainable model for, you yeah. know, long-term life, and uh, so starting in January, I, I said, okay, I'm going to start eating better, and I, so I started a low-carb diet in January, I was 317 pounds when I started that diet, uh, and uh, long story short, I started the diet in January, and then starting around April, I started actually, like, leaving the house, I've never been a big outdoors guy, but I started taking walks, Started mm. else. I, so like on Sundays, I'll try and go on like a longer hike. And then during the Huge. week, I try and take take like a shorter walk every day. I walk at least a mile, about, about at least a mile every day, sometimes more, you know, and I'm eating way better. I weigh, Huge. I still have a lot to lose, man. I, I'd like to lose probably another 50 pounds from here, but yep. I weigh 250 pounds now. I've lost almost 70 pounds since January just from making those changes. And it's, it's the, it's the longest I've ever stuck with a diet. And it's the most weight I've ever lost in a diet. And so again, I've had plenty of times because like I said earlier, it's a lifelong thing that I've struggled with, stress eating. And uh, I, I think it stems from my dad didn't let me eat sweets when I was a kid. And, mm. and after he died, my mom, it's not that she didn't care, but my mom has also struggled with her weight most of her life. Yep. She had get gastric bypass surgery a few years ago. And she's finally right. sick now, but it took her surgery to do it. And so uh, for me, it was like, you know, I just identified that like, man, sweets are a killer of me. I love sweets. I've totally gone through like a half gallon of ice cream in one sitting like more than once in my life. It's not healthy, you know? And so again, you set the goal. I want to be healthier and then identify like, what's, what has been, what has been my roadblock to hitting that goal before? Why have my previous diets failed? You know, and my previous diets failed because I did not I did not do a good job of allowing myself to cheat. I would just say, well, this is my diet. I'm sticking to it. I'm eating salads all the time or what, you know, whatever the diet yeah. was, right? Now I give myself four cheat meals a month where I can just eat huge whatever zoom. I want, man. I can eat a pizza. I can go eat a hoagie sandwich. I can eat a big bowl of pasta, like yeah, four bowls of cereal, like whatever I've yeah. been craving. I can, yeah. you know, you can't normally eat. I can go eat.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of one it's thing cool. that it's huge. But, you know, like I wanted to break it down bare bones. You don't need to do something drastic to, you know, change your weight or change your life.
1: By any means, to be clear, I eat bacon and eggs and steak and chicken and like, you know, salads too, but like, I I don't feel hungry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, but like the thing is like, you do something that you want to do. And I think that's super important. You know, a lot of people can tell you, oh, you need to do X, Y, Z, but if X, Y, Z doesn't work for you, it's not going to work for you and you are going to fail. That's gonna make you feel bad and you know you're not going to go forward. But yeah. even daily walks, even you know just structuring your day in a way that you see fit, that's how you should go through life. And Jordan Peterson says that too, you know like literally talk to yourself like a crazy person. He's like, you know, like argue with yourself, what would make me feel good today? Like could I work for two hours and then maybe take a 30 minute break and then maybe do two more hours? And you know he's like, like you mentioned. Even if you don't hit the calendar, even if you hit 10% of the calendar, that's more than you would have hit without making that calendar. So you should be happy about
1: one it. One mile a week. That is one mile more a week than I was walking a year ago. Exactly. Like it's, it's, it's such a low bar. Like you can step over exactly. it. You don't have to jump. It's
0: exactly. So- and, and you know, it, 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 it's a compounding effect because then you increase your confidence, you increase your self-efficacy with it, which is essentially your belief to do more things. You get You're more inspired offer- about life. Sorry? I feel amazing.
1: Like I can yep. do. A, I, I remember the first walk that we took, and this was on flat ground, by the way. Yeah. We walked three miles. This was in April, and I remember that my legs hurt for like five days afterward. They hurt so yeah. much for so long that as we were approaching the next weekend when we were supposed to do it again, I was like, I'm not going to do it. Like Friday right. of that week, I'm like, I'm not walking on Sunday. Yeah. Woke up on Saturday. My legs felt better. I said, let's try it. So anyway, long story short, man, I can do like a, I can do twice that amount now. I can do a six mile hike with elevation and my legs hurt for like a day. You know, the human body is amazing, man. Like just, and and, and, you know, you talk about personal process. I think like for me personally, I, what has been the most successful is just like, just that tenacity, like Mm -hmm. don't give up you have that goal you go into the goal knowing that you're going to fail a few times along the way mm-hmm. it's not going to be an easy process it took me an entire lifetime to get this fat so i'm not exactly. going to get skinny in like 5 days or 6 mm-hmm. months or even a year even 2 years it's this is probably like a multi year process man i'm hoping to hit my goal weight sometime around like 2022 20, or 23 you know like Huge, because it has to be that way. Otherwise, if I lost a hundred pounds in six months, I can guarantee that I'm going to gain that all back, and then form. and I know that because I've done that kind of shit before. Yep, you know, it
0: doesn't work long term. It doesn't, and you know, even losing that much weight in a short period of time, it can actually cause your metabolic rate to come down as well. Mm-hmm. So essentially, even in your sleep, you're losing less energy. So it's like, it's like passive income, right? Like you're, you're, you're gaining or you're losing your weight at a fast pace, similar to gaining a lot of money fast, but then your interest rate goes from, I don't know, like let's say 5% to 0.005. So it's like, eh, you're, you're gaining more money, but you're not doing it easily. And, you know, sustainable actions like that are just huge. So, yeah, you know, I think. It's just a fantastic thing that you mentioned there, and you know, just a lot of value just in this one simple conversation. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, was there any other things that you wanted to talk about before we? No, that's
1: it, man. I know you want. I know you want to talk about the- <laughs> thing, which I, which I yeah. too excited to talk about. But man, there's just there's so much. Like I, I really do. I gotta say, I love what you're doing, man. I'm, I'm gonna try and listen to some of your some of your other episodes because I feel like that. You know, I don't think there's a one size fits all approach. I want to be mm. clear even with this framework, right? Like I think anybody listening to this that you're like, well, this sounds interesting, but I don't know if it would work for me. I would say just try it. So so like try it with the knowledge that, you know, you may have to tweak things to, to get it to work for you personally. Exactly. Uh, And like that, that I think is the most important thing is like, just because something worked for me doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for you, but maybe something that rhymes will.
0: Huge, huge. And, uh, on that note, speaking of working for you, let's uh, go into how you worked to get yourself on as a presidential candidate, because I think that's pretty damn cool.
1: Sure, absolutely. So first, I want to be clear: I ran as a write-in presidential candidate uh, in 2016. And what does that
0: mean? Do you uh, so
1: basically, on 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 presidential, well, on a uh, a lot of positions, we'll have a write-in slot. So you basically have like your slate of candidates. In order to be a, a person listed on the ballot, by the way, is actually very difficult. In in America, even though it's a national election, right? President is a national uh, post. Uh, the, every state has its own different rules for their ballots. And so if I had wanted to really run for president and be on the ballot, I would have had to work to get that done in every single state. Every state has different requirements. A lot of them require, uh, like... You know, somewhere between ten to twenty thousand uh, signatures from registered voters. Now, obviously, most presidential candidates aren't going out and getting them themselves. They're just paying people to do that for them. Yeah. I, I was uh, to be clear. So, so uh, it actually. So, I changed my name to run for president. I don't know if I mentioned that part because you would no, ask me. About that kind of funny legal name. So, yeah. so uh, my legal name for most of my life was Charles Daniel Marshall, and I always went by my middle name. My whole life, I've gone by Dan. And I used to joke, I used to joke that I was going to change my name to, uh, Dr. Danger Marshall. I was going to make my first name doctor. My reasoning for it is like, you know, there's that actor guy named, uh, Judge Reinhold. Uh, and, and he's not a judge, right? He's an actor. So if he can be an actor named judge, why can't I be an IT guy named doctor? Mm -hmm. Um, it was just a joke, you know, uh, oh, sorry, hold on, um, so, so I kind of just joked about that for probably like probably a good fifteen years. I've been joking about that for a long time. Of like, oh, ha, ha I'm gonna do this. Uh, so, um, my wife and I just probably like around the end of 2015. Uh, my wife and I were talking about the upcoming presidential election.
2: Mm-hmm. At that
1: point, Trump hadn't actually entered the race, so the sort of the conventional wisdom was. Um, was that it's going to be uh, Hillary Clinton versus uh, Donald Trump, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Or,
1: sorry, Hillary Clinton versus uh, Jeb Bush was was the, was the sort of what everybody was assuming that the matchup was going to be. And my wife and I were talking about it, and she made some kind of comment, like, she made some kind of comment about how, like, if those are the two choices, I'd rather vote for no one. <laughs> and I got to say, man, I was like, oh, I love that idea. I love it. I love it. And I started thinking about it, and I was like, you know, I'm going to change my name to no one and I'm going to run as a write-in candidate for president and I'm going to do it because I feel like that first of all on a base level I feel like that our <laughs> and I felt this way 5 years ago but especially feel this way now our electoral system in this country is a f-ing joke like yep. it, is a, it is a it is an embarrassment it is a
3: f-ing Zoom. F-ing
1: patchwork of conflicting and confusing laws for each state. We do it in a weird, antiquated way, right? Where, like, we've got this dumb electoral college bull. Zoom. It's just, it's a complete complete show from top to bottom. Right. Uh, You know, if our our electoral system and our candidates are such jokes, why not just run with it? You know, why not run with it? So I was the, as far as I know, I am the... Most famous and popular parody satirical presidential candidate that has ever run in, in this country. And so, you know, the campaign slogans just wrote themselves, man, right? Like, no one deserves your vote. No one will represent <laughs> you in Washington. No one is looking out for your best interests. You know, like, it, it... Uh, so, so wow. that was it, basically. I ran as president as a joke. I had a website, I had a Facebook page, I made some videos where I. You know some of my videos were were serious uh policy proposals like i think i i, I proposed a uh a blockchain based voting system where um it would provide for fully auditable elections right which i think <clears throat> you know it would be uh would would be pretty helpful right about now as you have uh dumb Zoom. Dudes trying to make uh, these sort of spurious legal claims about fraud that yeah you know very very little actual evidence for that right if we had a blockchain based voting system sort of like Bitcoin where, where it's pseudonymous, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't actually know who the vote belongs to, but you can see every single vote, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then your private key is what allows you to, to cast that vote. And so that right. was a serious policy proposal, right? And, I, um, and that's really what I tried to do with, with my presidential campaign, right? Like that, yeah. uh, And I also used it to highlight, at, you know, my original goal, I actually didn't want to run as a write-in. I wanted to be on the ballot in as many right. states as I could, you know? As I started to research it, though,
0: man, like, how Zoom. am I
1: going to get ten thousand signatures from registered voters in South Carolina?
0: Yep.
1: Like, how am I going to do that? Yep. So it turns out that you know, oh, oh, and another important thing that I found out again, I so so I said, well, okay, I'll be a a write-in candidate for president, and uh, so then I started looking at the laws about write-in candidacy. There, there are. I think it's, you know, it's possible laws of change, right? And it's also been several years since I've looked into this. So I apologize if I get some of these numbers wrong. But from what I recall, there were over a dozen states where even to be considered a write-in candidate, you had to register. And that involved like money, paperwork, sometimes like registered voters. And so like, so that means that it's crazy to me that literally every voter in those states could write in my full legal name and it wouldn't count that's wild I, I mean to me that's i i cannot personally think of something that's more anti-democratic than that you know that's like that's like despot zoom man you know oh well you didn't register with us so you know even though everybody voted for you that doesn't count like that's like third world country like authoritarian zoom. man not not like not what i would expect from you know the land of the free
0: yeah that's
1: uh, no, but- an opening experience, my friend. I, I learned a lot and I'm glad I did it. And wh- my original plan was I, I actually considered like maybe I'll change my name back to what it was originally. Maybe I'll change it to Dr. Danger Marshall, like I had joked about for years. I decided to keep it though for a couple of reasons. One, I like the story, right? Like I like being no one. You know, I, I like the idea like conceptually. I actually started, I haven't released anything under this, under this moniker yet, but I started a uh, I started a musical project right after I changed my name, and I've written a few songs, but I haven't released any of them yet. I hope to release them all as an album someday, but the musical project is called End of Me.
3: End of and me. I like
1: that idea that like that like who I am as a person doesn't matter as much as my ideas matter and, and like the, the sort mm. of the things that I want to leave behind. I don't really care if anybody knows my name once I'm dead. You know, but if like if my if my outlook on the world or my impact on the world can live beyond me that's what i want like that's what i'm interested in it's like Mm -hmm. legacy and it's not even it doesn't need to be attributed to me i just want to i just want to know when i die when i'm laying on my deathbed you talk about you know oh, i wish i had like taken it easy and stuff like that for me my deathbed the thing i'm going to be worried about is i want to know that i left a lasting positive impact on the world even if it's just infinitesimally minor right because we're all like you know, I'm an insignificant person, man. I'm not ever gonna be like famous. I'm probably not ever gonna be even rich. Like, I'll be lucky if I get like upper middle class from from my Bitcoin investments, right? So like I'm not gonna be, nobody's gonna be talking about my name a hundred years from now. But if I can if I can get somebody into into Bitcoin or like inspire somebody to like improve their life in some other way, and that has a that has like a like a, a cascade or or like a, a trickle-down effect on other people and other aspects of society Zoom. man I, I will consider my life well lived
0: absolutely and dan can i just uh talk about some of the metrics that you had with your engagement when you ran because this is an interesting campaign mm-hmm. you know like how did that look like
1: yeah let me tell you so i still have the facebook page up uh if you yep. look at the uh, full title of the page is no one for president dash no one 2016 Uh, and I, you know, I will say I didn't do a whole lot to market this. I, I like didn't really push the Facebook page or the YouTube channel or anything like that. Uh, let's see, where does it show? Yeah, about 700 likes on Facebook and, uh, and like, which, which was a little higher. I want to say at one point it was like twice that, but I'm sure as, you know, as, as the years progress, I'm sure people would delete their accounts or unlike the page or whatever. Um, so yeah, and then I'm trying to think, like, uh, you know, I posted some things on Reddit. I got, like, like my announcement video here. I uh, got some shares. I got about 8,000 views on that on my announcement video. I put out several videos. I had a, a 60-second speech series where I, like, put out several videos that the goal was to have right around 60 seconds to, like, put forward my, my policy proposal. The idea being is that nobody wants to sit and watch a long Zoom. video or read, like, a 15-page document, especially for a parody campaign. But, hey, it takes 60 seconds and,
0: you know. Yeah. No, fair enough. That's uh, that's an interesting feat on its own. I don't think too many people would even want to, not even want to, it's like would have the tenacity to even go through with that process to uh, put their name on the ballot and do all that.
1: Oh, man, I had, I had uh, and, and you got to remind me if we ever, uh, if we ever end up meeting up for, uh, for lunch or something up once the border opens back up, Remind me and I'll bring you a campaign. That
0: is awesome. Uh, Um, Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Okay. So I think, uh, Dan, with that being said, just before we go into the the shout outs, uh, what is your one message for our audience?
1: I think within the context of this discussion, as far as personal process, the one takeaway is, is just don't give up. Don't stop. Don't let yourself be the stumbling block that stops you from reaching your goal. Because that, in my experience, that is usually what it is, at least for Mm. me. And so just don't give up. I think a key part of that, like I talked about earlier, a key part of that is just knowing going in that you're going to fail. And Mm. for me, that's been huge. Like, I'm an expectation kind of person. I don't like, I'll admit it. I don't like when things don't go the way that I expect them to right and so as a result of that though i've just built in the expectation that that like it's not always going to go my way and then when it doesn't which is pretty often just like well i expected this i planned for this yeah. i knew this was going to happen and it makes it so much easier man to just like those those mountains become speed bumps that's all they are it's like a bitcoin chart man we we call it zoom out in bitcoin if you you uh if you have a chance, go to coinmarketcap.com, click on the Bitcoin thing in the number one entry there, and then scroll down to the chart and you can actually like play with the dates and enter in like custom dates, put in a date from like January two, 2013 to like December 2016, do it like before that big mm-hmm. spike, right? And then look at all those like huge, they look like mountains, man. And then go back and look at the full chart from like the beginning to today's date. And realize that that massive spike in 2017 made those previous massive spikes look like nothing. There are some that look like literally just a straight line that it doesn't even look like any kind of bump. And that's the same kind of thing that's going to happen when you're trying to reach those goals. It's like when you get to your goal and you look back on that path, those things that you thought that were going to just completely break you before – they they, some of them might not even be visible at that point yeah don't give up
0: huge that's uh that's a wonderful piece of advice and i love the analogy to bitcoin and i love that mission because you know it's true it makes a big difference and small steps that lead to changes that you think are massive today are going to be minuscule compared to the improvements and the compound improvements that happen in the future with uh, that said, Dan, let's get some of your shout outs. Let's get some of your links. And after that, we will go on to our outro. As far
1: as links, I'll keep it real simple, man. I'm uh, uh, at No One Danger, N O O N E D A N G E R, on Twitter. Uh, that's also my Facebook. Just type in Facebook slash that uh, and my Instagram. Uh, I have a website that has nothing there right now, but should by the time people are listening to this, it's I am uh, There will be some other links there. Um, other than that, yeah, that's that's pretty much me online. I, I use the same name for a lot of stuff to make it easy for people to find me.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll throw all those in the description. So for all our viewers and listeners, you can check it out there. And, you know, today's episode, we went through a lot of life, really. You know, we talked about Bitcoin. We talked about, you know, to a certain degree power and how Bitcoin has an ability in the future to really distribute that power equally among individuals and to protect anonymity without getting your assets taken over by the government and that's a pretty strong statement but you know it can happen and i'd like to assume that it happens usually for the right reasons such as for you know people who are breaking the law and hurting other people but maybe there are mistakes made and maybe there are some unfortunate cases where that happens sometimes for individuals and i don't think that's ultimately fair but you know we talked about how to change our lives really by taking small actions that are repeatable that are unique to you to trust your personal process and you know that's ultimately what this channel is about you know trust your process there's going to be ups and downs but Ultimately, at the end of it, you're going to look at your graph, like Dan was mentioning, and you're going to see a huge jump in the recent years. And your minute jumps when you first started, the ups and downs are going to seem small. And that's what I want you guys to take away. That's what I think Dan really appreciates, too. And, you know, with that being said, thank you for visiting another episode of the Personal Process Podcast. Hey, everyone. I'm back after another amazing episode with another amazing guest. We hope we added value into your life so you could take the tips from this episode and fuel your process forward. If you enjoyed our episode today and think other friends or family members may also appreciate the lessons that our podcast brings, be sure to share us with them, subscribe and rate our show. So we know how we did and always remember trust the process.